Welcome back to our podcast, Kind of Credible, The Full Circle. My name is Keegan Dolphin, and I'm joined by... Uh, I'm Zach. I'm Ryan. And today's guest is Coach Ski. Um, Coach, do you want to talk a little bit about yourself? No. And we'll <laughs> I like ask you some questions and just get a conversation uh, rolling. Well, I'm uh, the head swim coach here at St. Ambrose University. We're going into uh, my fifth year already, which seems like I started yesterday. And uh, fourth year of a competitive program. And loving every minute of it. I guess I'll get this thing started off. Uh, We know you well enough to know that you have a passion for uh, kind of uh, collecting and then selling stuff from like yard sales and flea markets. (laughs) What are are some of your best finds or like are you able to do any recent uh, finds with the whole pandemic? Um, yeah, I guess. Well, you know, I'm, you, I've told you guys this before. I'm, I know just enough about everything to be annoying. So <laughs> I'm a big history buff and, and art and anything. I'm interested in everything. Um, like recently, the well at my farm went out and I, they had to come and pull it. And I sat there for an hour and a half and watched them do it and asked 25 questions the whole time. But yeah, on like things that I, you know, find. And for me, it's not having things like my kids accuse me. Oh, you're a hoarder. I'm like, no, everything's for sale. Even everything in your room is for sale. Everything in the house is for sale. I've, I've literally had a kitchen table where my wife came home and it was gone. And she's like, what happened to the table? Oh, I had a friend over and he liked it and I, I sold it. <laughs> you know, she got upset. Um, I don't know, some, probably one of the coolest things I've ever found was a, uh, this is early on, I, I found a, uh, <clears throat> a menu from 1918, uh, Hat in the Ring Fighter Squadron, World War One. Eddie Rickenbacker. Um, it was their Thanksgiving Day menu and program, and uh, it was hand painted. And I found it in a bunch of papers I bought, and uh, for like five dollars. Um, and you know, talked to some people, sold it to a guy who buys from museums for about four hundred and fifty dollars. And uh, just things of historical interest. Uh, uh, found a bomber and engineer flight manual for a B twenty four bomber that I got for two dollars that I. Sold to 100 for 180 dollars to some guy that was rebuilding a B-24 bomber up in Canada, and he wanted all original equipment in it and just just anything that's odd is cool, and uh, so yeah. And right now with COVID and everything, it's it's a little hard to find things, but <clears throat> you know gr- garage sales are starting to kick up again, and and uh, you can always go online and look for things, and yeah. that's what yeah yeah yeah. I guess like Zach Keegan, do you collect anything or have any like? flea market garage sale experience well i can say so i'm from granger you guys know that but th- i don't know you probably heard of this the 141 garage sales have you ever come down for that yeah have you heard of those yeah yeah so like growing up one weekend in the summer like all of 141 which is like the highway that runs by everybody who wants to like puts up a garage sale so like all of my neighbors do one and it's been fun so i've gone to a lot of things i don't know i think I don't know. I like, well, I've been recently collecting Scenic games. So, like, at a couple garage sales, I found some Disney Scenic games. I think that's fun. But I don't have anything, like, crazy cool. Nothing I flipped or anything. Well, I spent, like, the majority of my summer with my grandpa um, because there was nothing else to do. You know, I didn't have a job or anything. So I was just doing stuff at their their house all the time. And he's a big railroad guy. Um, so he'll, he'll collect all these different signs and... Um, like just like memorabilia but not um i guess it's n- nothing of like crazy importance to normal people but for the right people stuff's crazy expensive um 
and we we kind of like would joke about the the different stuff that he would collect and he we'd like talk about what we're going to go and sell it for so for example there was a couple like a stack of um like signs of some they were like all the same he bought the whole stack for like five dollars and the the each one was worth like 10 and there was probably 15 of them there and so you know obviously it's going to take a while for him to sell them all but eventually he'll make 145 dollars out of it and that stuff happens all the time well there was even just last fall i was coming into campus there was a little garage sale i stopped and there was a box of uh the guy had a box of uh magic cards oh yeah. and you guys know those right yeah and i don't know them well but i'm like hey what do you want for these and he's like eh, five bucks i'm like okay so i got them took them home that night and i'm sitting there looking through them and there's a there's a, a website in europe that prices them out for you so i looked at one that i thought oh this one's pretty cool i'll look that one up oh that's neat so you know it's like this is worth about 225 bucks so I'm like, it can't be worth that, you know. So I take a photo of it with my phone, put it on eBay. Before I set my phone down, it sold for $150. I mean, I didn't. I took it, posted it, didn't even get to set my phone down, and it was already sold. Um, a buddy of mine, he went to Iowa State. He paid for his college education by doing things like this, going to garage sales, doing things. And he just, I mean, that's the one thing that drives me nuts because, like, I've got kids too, you know, and, and they know what I do. And I'm like, I've got one son that's starting to get into it. And he's like, I can make more money in a weekend doing this than I do all work weeking. And I'll work all week working. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can. You know, and uh, part of me being able to take the job here at Ambrose is I've got, you know, side business. I've got that and I've got a farm and, you know, yeah. yeah. I don't get much sleep, but I'm busy. <laughs> but, uh, you only need four hours. But that's, yeah, yeah, but that stuff is stuff I just think. And, like, nothing in my house is brand new. I don't believe in anything new. I, I like old things. Old things have, you know, 50s, 40s, 50s, yeah. 60s. It's classic stuff, you know. Um, you can pick up furniture that I, I paid $5 for an end table that I sold for 400 um, You know, but it's out there. And you got to have an eye for it. And I think that's what scares a lot of people away. It's like everybody right now, your generation, more technology-based, you know, technology. But there's still right. people that want the classic things. And even people in your generation, the really wealthy ones, are looking for those classic items and things like that. So it's, it's kind of fun. But... And it's a heck of a lot of fun, you know. It's like finding gold in the street, you know. Seriously, that's anyway. a, that's like my like I my mom and my grandma were like big like flea market and they would buy old antiques and stuff. But this summer, my mom actually was just driving by a garage sale and she saw like these bikes just set out and it was just I think they were just marked like twenty dollars or something like that for all these bikes. She like goes by and like I don't remember. I think it's like a Schwinn bike or something. And uh, she buys one for, like, my little sister. And then there was, like, a woman's bike that looked like it was, like, well, not brand new. It's from 1998 or something like that. But it was, like, never really ridden. And she's like, oh, how much do you want for this? Like, just the $20? And the lady's like, oh, yeah, like, my late husband got it for me. But, like, I don't, I'm not going to ride it. I'm too old. So I'm just trying to get rid of it and give it to somebody else. My mom, like, buys it. And she, she comes back home and is, like, looking it up or whatever. It's a... Fifteen hundred hundred dollar bike in nineteen ninety nine. Right now, it's like an eight hundred dollar bike that she just got for twenty dollars. So like, Damn. there's and the lady's just like, oh, I'm just trying to get rid of it. I don't care about the money. But I, like, I picked up a junkie bike at an auction for two dollars. Yeah, I didn't want the bike. I wanted the bell on the bike. Oh. Yeah, the bell was worth over a hundred dollars. So it's just, you know, how'd you know that? 
it just, well, it wasn't even that I knew it. It just was really cool looking, mm. and and it was from the 1950s, and the bike was trashed. But you know, I got the bike for two bucks, and I'm like, man, that bell is just cool. And then I looked it up, and yeah, it's like 150 bucks for a bell. Well, this is... bikes are expensive though. The like, new ones are. Any, yeah. Like even if you look on Craigslist, you can't find a whole lot for less than 50, 100 bucks, like minimum. You know, a lot of them are more than that. But were you looking recently? I looked this summer. Yeah, I feel like they were probably more expensive though this summer. Yeah, for obvious reasons. Yeah, people wanted to get outside and do other things. But anyway, you mentioned your farm. Um, like, what do you do on your farm? You don't really talk about it a That's whole lot. That's true. I hide there. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not really a farm. I mean, by most some standards, it is. It's it's forty acres. It's got a two and a half acre pond and got some cattle and you know we've got some uh, sorghum out there this year. But usually, it's between you know all the different grades. Got about five acres of just open grassland. Um, it's really nice just to hide. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no lights uh, anywhere nearby. So I always go out for the Pleiades meteor shower and the Leonids meteor shower. And you can just sit out there with a campfire and listen to the coyotes. Because um, they got coyotes all over the place. And, and uh, watch the meteor showers and get your sanity back at a place like that. And also it's good for the zombie apocalypse when that hits. I'm <laughs> ready for that and it's coming Definitely. soon. So. This is all just a precursor, you know, yeah. for that. So yeah. <laughs> we won't go into that. <laughs> no, I like getting that, some too. Alex Jones stuff here. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. No. Uh, yeah. So my like my mom. Well, I guess my mom and my dad were were both farm kids. So I like indirectly kind of I wouldn't consider myself a farm kid, but I'm a kid of farm kids. Yeah. But I'm like. I'm allergic to every animal on my dad's, like they're pig farmers, so I'm allergic to pigs. But then my mom, uh, like her dad basically spent, put all his money into buying land. Like every every single year, all the extra money he'd have Brilliant. would just go into buying acres on acres. So I think like before he died, he ended up with like 500 acres or whatever that he passed down on to daughters. And now that's like family farm. So it's literally, it's like they got a century farm, like in 2006 or something like that so now it's like my mom's like this this farm like is gonna stay in my in in our family because you kids will not sell it off she's like i won't i won't allow it i'll come back from the grave and like haunt you if you try to (laughs) not not literally but it's like she's like i want this to be like like centuries on centuries on centuries because land is going to come become more and more valuable which obviously that's like a place to invest now and like just they're not making more of it yeah that's for sure yeah it's like yeah. and it's a hundred acres and and ninety ninety nine and a half acres are far, are filled with co- corn right now so it's farmland which is yeah. important. Like we bought ours for about eight hundred dollars an acre, about twenty five about about twenty twenty four years ago. We, me and my dad did it together, and then um, similar lots near us are selling for about eight thousand an acre. So it's gone up. Really? A little bit, yeah, quite a bit. So that's yeah. kind of. Uh, I'd like to pass it on to my kids, but if they're not interested in staying around that area, then or coming back, then well, that's my retirement right there. So. Yeah, because you're. It's out like not that far outside of Iowa City. Yeah, or? just southwest of Iowa City, okay. near Kelowna, Iowa, and Wilmington. Yeah, mm. but it's beautiful out there and the wildlife and everything. I love all that. Growing up, we moved around a lot. You know, when I was a kid, and you know, I had some friends that had a fifty-acre place, and they had horses. And they had a pond, and I spent as much time out there as I could 
I totally my place is identical to that, except yeah. I don't have the really nice house out there. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hear you on that though. Um, Need a place to hide. Yeah. Yeah. So we know you have a lot of crazy stories. Um, is there any that you're comfortable sharing? That's super. Like, that's vague. that's yeah. Kind of PG. Do you want to narrow but, it in again? Oh no, um, I can. Yeah, totally. I get. Yeah, but um, <laughs> you know, it could be. <laughs> Not that crazy. It could be anything <laughs> ranging from like your time in college to as a coach. Or basically, well, he's asking you from like. Yeah. Birth to now, what's like? What's the story that you just have in your yeah, life? Super. Okay. Well, well sitting in the studio here, looking at these photos of guitarists and singers and blues singers, obviously. Um, my high school. I went to Waterloo, Columbus, in Waterloo, Iowa, um, but I swam for Waterloo West. And a friend of mine there was uh, uh, that I met and hung out with quite a bit was Kevin B. F. Burt. And I don't know if. You guys, you know, he's a he's a great great blues singer, man, and he's awesome. He's from he lives in Iowa City now, but we'd grown up together and we've known each other forever. Uh, a number of years back, I hosted the uh, Iowa High School Coaches Clinic, and it was the first year that the pool at Iowa was open, the University of Iowa, and we wanted to have. I volunteered to host it and have it there, and they'd always have it, and then they'd have like a social afterwards somewhere. But you'd bring in a big name swimmer athlete to do a clinic with the coaches and with and with young kids, and so kids would come in and they'd work in the water with this individual. Um, so I hosted it, and the second year I hosted it, I got Ian Crocker, who was the world record holder in the hundred fly for like five years. Mm. Um, everybody knows Michael Phelps, um, but Ian actually held the world record in the hundred fly. Michael Phelps won a couple gold medals while Ian held the world record yeah. in that event, and Ian got a couple silvers. But you know, so um, I talked with Ian about coming and doing a, a clinic, and he's like, "Yeah, I'd love to." And as we're chatting, I'm like, "Well, is, you know." You know, we'll have a social and everything in Iowa City, and uh, we were going to, I believe it was the Field House, uh, mm. or it might have been Brothers. I think it was Brothers. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. But we uh, we were going to go there for the social, and they, they had a room set aside for us. And I asked Ian, I was like, is there anything that you're into that you, you, you know, Iowa City's kind of a cool town and you know, like Davenport, a lot going on. Yeah. And I said, is there anything you like to do? And he's like, well, you know what? I'm really into blues guitar lately. You know, I've been a guitarist my whole life, but I've really gotten into blues guitar. And I immediately thought of Kevin. And I'm like, what if I could, at our social, hook it up that you play on stage with Kevin Burt, who's a friend of mine. Look him up. I said, Google him. See what he's all about. He's played with Muddy Waters. He's, you know, he's, he's very well known. Um, and he said, yeah, that'd be awesome. But would I need to bring my guitar? Would I? I said, no, I'm sure Kevin. Let me talk to Kevin. Let me see if it's okay with Kevin. So I called Kevin, and I explained everything to him. And he's like, that'd be awesome. He said, I'll bring guitars, and we do it. So we had our clinic. We had our social. At the social, um, Kevin's there. He's talking with um, Ian. I know a lot of the coaches want to talk about swimming, but Ian just wanted to talk about blues, you know. <laughs> and and they got up on stage, and it was it was closed just for the coaches and they were playing and it was a beautiful fall day and they've got doors that can open up to the street and we opened them up and there were all these people just stacked out there listening because a lot of people in Iowa City know Kevin and they're up there jamming and just it was it was really cool really a lot yeah. of fun and finally we just let all the the, the people come in yeah <laughs> and they're all like oh god we love Kevin we love Kevin I'm listening to all these people but who's the guy with him and I said oh that's a multi-gold metal winning swimmer you know Ian Crocker and they're like oh you're kidding me I said that's crazy um, 
and then when it was all over, I, you know, and, I, and Ian was leaving, he said, you know, thank you very much. He said, no one's ever, I do these clinics three times, two, three times a month. He said, no one's ever asked me what I wanted to do. Mm. And I think, you know, when you do things in life, you, you get to know the people you're talking to. Everybody's interesting. That's my thing. Everybody to me is interesting. And finding out a little bit more about them can create something special for them. And it can make something amazing for you. Because we had, all of us coaches had that experience. Uh, Kevin was so gracious and he, he just had a blast. He had so much fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, but those opportunities are out there always. So yeah. yeah and I think, I think one thing is, is don't always look at the opportune for you, but for the other person too. Make right. it a win win in everything mm-hmm. you do. And it'll be better for everybody involved. So sorry, that was just one of my. No, that's, really, that's a really cool, cool story. Yeah. yeah. I like that. And then that, get in, that gets into like the people that you meet and the people that you make friends with. You don't know where, where they'll end up like down the line and mm-hmm. like potentially that can set you up to like make even better friendships with other people so like obviously that worked out well for you well and i don't know you know like you guys when i recruited you you know we've got three goals for the team i don't know if you remember when i when i told you these number one everybody graduates four years hopefully with a three-point gpa ryan Uh, (laughs) (laughs) oh sorry i should probably said that over there Uh, mom and dad might be listening he did he did um number two when you leave ambrose you say that was the best four years of my life. I truly want that for you guys because this is the only time in your life you get to do these things. And like you said, you know, uh, if you can make other people's lives better and make them, you never know where they're going to wind up. And I've coached so many people. And I mean, last year I had five of my former swimmers that graduate, they're, they're doctors. I mean, you know, they're, they're making a difference in the world. And so many, I got a guy that I coach that he's uh, Jeff Bezos. He's one of his lead uh, engineers for his uh, uh, Starship program, or, you know, spaceship oh, program. Yeah. Kid's brilliant. And, but wow. these are all people that you'll come in contact in your life. And that's why I kind of tell everybody, you know, be nice to everybody. Give them crap when you can, but, 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 but be nice to them, you know? And, mm. and so, yeah. But. What's the third goal? Third goal is we won a national championship. That's right. <laughs> but that one's not as important this as is, the first two. That's true. <clears throat> this is this is the best. I think this this year's the best opportunity we have in or in a really long time, at least in the first five years that we've been yeah, a program. Been that long of a time. You know, yeah. Like, like, what are we? What are you getting at? I'm saying like we've we've all kind of like built up to I think this point, and with COVID. Um, I think we all got a bunch, like a big opportunity to, um, like really find ourselves in the sense of where we want to be, um, this season. So for us, um, competing against some of the other teams that we know, um, like the number one and two teams last year, Scott and Kaiser, a ton of their kids are all international. Yeah. We don't even know what's that's tough for them. Going to happen with them. Yeah, I know a lot of the international students were not able to get visas. Yeah, unless you were already a student. If you're a freshman coming in, you you very very difficult if if you could at all get a get a freshman visa. Yeah, um, even our grad assistant we were looking at hiring uh, was from Brazil, and that was kind of the situation there. He couldn't get here, so made it difficult. Hmm. But um, the and one I thing think I think about the team that you know when you talk about how you guys have developed, starting a team from nothing. You don't have tradition. You don't have leaders. And so the first couple of years with our program, we didn't have any leaders. And that's difficult. Now we have leaders. 
and you're setting a precedent in how things are done mm-hmm. and what's expected. Prior, we didn't have that. We we're just trying to get everything going. You know, it's like getting a train going. It takes a lot to get it moving. Once it's moving, it's very difficult to stop. So I think you guys are a big part of that. Just you three here, especially too. You know that train's moving now, and it's yeah. going in the it's going in the direction, and very little's going to stop it. It's just gaining speed. But uh, yeah, and I, I appreciate all that work you guys have done on that. I think it's a whole culture thing too, and it's um, it's like something that when you hear other teams have all these different issues of. Um, like there's sometimes like hazing and other stuff like that. We we're pretty good about that, and we created this culture where, um, like we're we're really like we're good friends, and we we can always hang out with each other and that kind of thing. And I know Zach right now is completely um, going crazy about what I just said. Sorry, so no, it just sounded I think, like I'll explain why I started laughing. I mean, I said you said like oh you know other teams and they're hazing. We're pretty no, good at that. No, I didn't say it <laughs> like that. I was like whoa, whoa, just just for back the record, that up. That doesn't happen. Yeah, no, that's. There's that's, no hazy. That's that is what I'm trying to get at. Um, and You're I guess not doing that. it might have Correct. been worded really bad, but yes. <laughs> we've we've definitely created a, a culture where people want to be here. Um, that right there is my main coaching philosophy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Create an environment where they want to be there. Mm-hmm. Well said, Keegan. I think like a big thing that I noticed with this, obviously this freshman class is still relatively new, but it's like the level of dedication average between each class has risen tremendously so it's kind of cool because you recruit people who want to be part of something that they can see whereas like when i was being recruited there wasn't a ton here but i'm like oh like i don't know i'll come help and try to help build the team like i think that'll be fun and now i'm seeing like the class below me there's like even more dedicated swimmers and then like the new class this most recent class there's like even more and more and we're just like piling it on when we started we had a vision but it was my vision I don't want it to be my vision. I want it to be your vision of what the team should be and could be. So I got it going, and then I wanted it to be your. It's the same thing. Like I have parents come to me all the time, and they say, "You know, I know my kid could be a champion. I know he could be great. If, if I just can't motivate him, I just could, can you motivate him?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I can do that for for about five minutes." I said, "How about I create? We try to create an environment where it becomes his or her idea to do it." Because once it's your idea, nothing can stop you. If you got, if if you're doing it for your parents, you're doing it for your coach, or your friends, you're going to have some success. But the minute you start doing it for yourself, there's nothing you can't do. Um, you know, you talk about my stories. It's like my whole thing was just tell me I can't do something, and it'll get done. Yeah, it'll get done. I feel that. Um, you know, I've started a couple of swim clubs. This program here. Um, when I talk to some of my college coach friends, they're like the first year. They're like, "Well, how many how many people do this? Do they want you to have how many swimmers do they want you to have that first year?" And I said, "Oh, they, they'd like me to have thirty. And they all laughed at me. We had thirty. It was bigger than most of the small university programs in the state. And now we have a lot sixty five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and and we could get bigger uh, if, if we had more space. But um, again." It's that whole thing. Once, once it, if it's my idea or if it's your idea, nothing can stop you. And that's everything in life. 
I mean, you look at the people that really accomplish things, it, there is no can't in their vocabulary. It's just, okay, that didn't work. Let's try something new. This didn't work, and I've done that a thousand times, you know. And and what works for me may not work for somebody else. Doesn't mean or what works Yeah. What works for somebody else may not work for me. You gotta find your own path. Mm. And you gotta be your own coach too. You look at our team and you look at some other teams and, and, and they're very they have certain traditions. They do things a certain way. Like I've seen some teams, and you know who they are. They'll line up together. They all jump in the pool at the exact same time. They do very, you know, it's like that. You know, my dad was a Marine. I get it, you know. My programs, you guys are individuals. We bring the strengths of what makes each of you special together. You know, I don't need to be yelling and screaming and, and you know, that kind of stuff. It's like the teams I've coached in the past, what made them so strong was the fact that we are individuals. And then we all bring what we're special, what we're good at together. It's not you all conform to this one way. Yeah. Um, there's a reason for that in a lot of businesses and a lot of in a lot of fields. There is, and it has to be that way. I don't believe swimming is one of those. It works for some teams, but it would never work for me because that's just not how I I, I am. Right. And, right. Yeah. And I've had very you know we've had not only here but. With other programs, very good success with allowing the individual to to lead the lead the program. That's that's Sorry. one thing I was I was thinking about is, like I obviously swam in uh, uh, Iowa and then like club teams in Iowa, so I kind of knew some of your previous previous swimmers well enough. Like yeah. you were at Iowa City, Iowa City West, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had to think about it. I had to think about it. Um, but like obviously you had the same like mentality of letting like individuals be individuals, but like we're not necessarily the same team so like kind of what what do you notice that's like different or like uh what were like advantages of that team versus like this team and like high school versus college like how does this how does that strategy like change between the two teams it, it, you know it hasn't that much i mean how i how i did the program at iowa at iowa city west they were individuals um the one thing was we had a longer tradition longer history of tradition uh and so some of those standards that you know, like I talk about how, you know, I would I would show up because I had a full time job on top of working there, and and I'd show up on deck at four o'clock. They'd be behind the block, and they'd be ready to go. And and uh, that didn't happen overnight. You know, it wasn't like, but you know, the last, and it still isn't always that way. I mean, I'd show up sometime, we'd talk and chat, but I think that that relationship is important too. You know, um, and creating that relationship. I try very hard to talk to every one of my swimmers every day. I do. Uh, it's tough because yeah. just time. I mean, unless the other sports, you know, football, volleyball, soccer, you can engage them and, and, and stop in the middle of something and direct them. Swimming, your head's underwater, yeah. you know. And the only time I can catch is when you're at the wall. And if I spot something over here and I, or I turn around for a moment and you're going on the next set with, you know, 10-second rest intervals – doesn't leave a lot of time for correction so when we do it we got to be spot on so i do think it's important though i don't believe swimmers come and swim for uh a, a team you know or like they want to be part of something because of what maybe that represents but i do believe the coach is why you go somewhere yeah. you know education priority one but you swim for the coach a lot of coaches are like I don't want to get to know my swimmers. I just, this is just, it's a job for me. I, you know, I tell them what to do. They do it. That's it. I go home and I don't think about it. 
I'm vested in each and every one of you. I mean, I'm interested in your lives. I want to know what's going on. And, you know. Clearly. I mean, that's yeah. why you're, yeah. you're here yeah. today, yeah. obviously. Yeah. You know, I, I was just going to say, like, I can definitely attest to that because my high school, like, in high school, I started out, like, I was one of the slow kids, like, very slow. <laughs> and my coaches were great. But, like, you can see the difference. I guess the way our high school was structured, obviously, was, like, there's fast groups and slower groups. And, like, a lot of the slower people felt like they didn't get that attention, that investment. And I can say coming here, like, well, you make the decision easy because, like, I just want to say we're very lucky to have Ski. And you, like you were saying, he's so invested in each one of us that, like, everybody feels that you want them here, which is really cool. And I don't, I don't, I don't get the chance to talk to everybody all the time. I'm not yeah. perfect at it. Well, yeah, I try. Too many and, and, the, and I want to. The thing is I want to talk to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. not like I don't want to talk to you. Um because I joke around like a lot. You guys have heard this a hundred times. Like, you know, if I don't give you any crap, it's because I don't like you. Yeah. Like Keegan over here, I never give him crap, so that explains <laughs> it. Um, but he knows that that's, yeah. He says it all the time. I say it all the time. Yeah, I need to get some new ones. But uh, I, I can honestly say, and I say this when I'm recruiting, I say it when I talk to other coaches. I like every one of the kids on our team. They're all different. They all bring something different to the program. Some of them drive me insane at times. Um but it's just part of it, you know, and it's what makes it. It's it's life. It's the whole catastrophe. You gotta you gotta take it all, and you can learn every time you talk to somebody. You know, I've been coaching for a long time, but I listen to my swimmers because when you're talking to somebody, imagine it just when you're talking to them, they can teach you something. You know, doesn't mean it's always going to happen, but that's how you engage people. Like mm-hmm. they can teach you something. Um, I wish more people did that. You yeah. know, so both sides the person that is the expert and the person that is talking to them so it's both ways i think it's cool um i mean i wasn't here like my freshman year but um just kind of like hearing about the stories that happened with the senior class when they were freshmen and how they came in and like rocked it you know um (laughs) or or in a sense like for a first year team they did pretty well well, like um I, I mean, I kind of want to like shout out like Nathan and you know Justin and well and David too, yeah. my roommates. But except not Justin. Anyway, but then over the course of you know the the program, you know new swimmers came in, and we kind of like, I don't know. I felt like there was a, a sense of um, there wasn't this urgency. And then like within the last year or so, I felt like the senior class has kind of shifted in a sense where everyone has some sort of urgent like need or or motivation um like nathan for example you know he's uh his goal is to be top three in the nation right now um and i think that's part of our culture too is just there's been people that have come in that have made us as current athletes change the way we were uh previously doing stuff um, have you like recognized anything like that, or want to like touch on yeah, stuff well, like that? One thing you say is like a sense of urgency. It's I kind of the kind of coach I am is is I, I I've got a long vision. Okay, I'm not trying to build my career. I'm not. I don't need to win real fast today at the cost of maybe the whole success of the program two years from now. I'm not looking to go somewhere else. You know, a lot of young coaches are trying to build a career fast, and then they get another job somewhere else, and they don't care. Um, and the program goes up and down, up and down. That's not how I like my programs to be. I like them to build up and then stay up. You know, you talk about like Iowa City West. We won a couple state championships. They won state last year. Yeah. 
and they got a really good chance at winning state this year. And it's something that they don't ever drop. You know, yeah. they're up there. That's, that's that's how a good part program of their, is. Part of their culture as a team is the like Keeping thinking they're going to win. Yeah. Yes. And and when I started there, the team was so small. It was city and West High Schools combined, and we had about thirty people. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't just happen. I mean, it takes takes time. Now there's 55 guys on the West High team alone, and they've won multiple state championships. But it's kind of the same thing here. Is you know we want to build that from the ground up. I think I think my biggest part of that is as a coach is my job is to convince my athletes how good they really are. And I try to do that. And I get so much pushback from athletes that are like, well, this is what your time is now, but this is what you should be going. And they laugh. And I'm like, I'm not kidding. You know, and, and and I had that story like with Nathan his freshman year at Nationals. He's like in heat two of the mile. I don't know if he was ranked like 24th, 26th or something. And I told him, I said, I went up to him before his race. I said, now, Nathan, before... Now, during this race, I said, when you're lapping these guys, which means you doubled up on them, uh, and he starts laughing. And I didn't break anything. I said, I'm not kidding. I said, when you're lapping them, I want you to imagine that that guy you're coming up behind is ahead of you. And you got to ch- run him down and chase him down. He, he lapped all but two of them. And he dropped 48 seconds wow. in a mile. And he got sixth in the nation. I mean, that is just him believing you know, knowing you can do it. Now he laughed because it just—I guess he probably couldn't imagine it. Right. But I knew what he was capable of doing. Um, but that's the whole—you know—trying to convince you guys of how good you really are, and taking your time. You know, I see long term. I don't need instant gratification on how we do right now. But we built that. Each year we get slightly better. And you talk about well, even Nathan again. Last year we didn't take him to nationals. He qualified. But he had a couple of engineering tests that he really wanted to focus on. And, and let's face it, that whole year, he, he, school was on his mind. He had to do well. I was not upset when he made the decision, and we talked about it, not to go to nationals. And look at him this year. Now, if I'd have gotten in his face and been like, no, you have to be there. We knew. I mean, we missed eighth place by one point you know, at nationals. You know, he would have scored 10, 12 points. We'd have been probably sixth or seventh. But it was okay because I'm looking long-term. So this year he's coming back, and what's he want to do? You said it. He wants to be top three in the nation in the 200. Yeah. Um, And he wants to have all of our team's freestyle records. Yeah. Now, if I'd have gotten on him last year and made him go to nationals, how would he have felt going into this season? Probably would have not felt as motivated as he is now. It's the same burnout. Yeah. 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 So you got to look long-term and see the bigger picture and what's important. Um. Your guys' education is priority one. Your guys' goals. You know, I've got swimmers come to me. I just want to be part of a team, coach. What about making nationals? I just want to be part of a team. We've got a place for you, mm-hmm. you know, because um, you can bring something to the team. You know, we've had swimmers like that, and you know some of them. Yeah, we do. So, a lot of them. They may not be the fastest, but what they bring to the team is just as important as any point we put on the board. So Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's like, like my – personal like kind of experience with that was like my freshman year we swam augie like like uh the first meet or whatever i did the 100 free and i think i went 48 9 or something and then the other guy like next guy was like 50 50 low or something so i beat like i went one and then we like augie went two three four but their coach was expecting to like sweep us we might uh, we might have went like one three or something mm-hmm. i'm not sure but uh their coach i'm pretty sure was expecting to sweep us and i got out of the pool 
and honestly like thinking about you're saying like oh like we swim for like a program or we swim for you i'm like honestly i was thinking about it i'm like like i like beating people i swim kind of to beat people but like like i swim to beat people kind of for this team and then for growing the program because when i beat people like other people notice that and then that makes our team seem more attractive to obviously the next generations but uh like uh like i remember i came back and you were giggling because because the because the augie coach had like smacked his clipboard and was like all bright red in his bright yellow pants or whatever he's wearing or something i don't even know or no that's uh what team is that never mind that's, that's a different Mary's coach. Yeah, yeah 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 um a good guy but like I still like I'll I'll probably remember that race till the day I die because because <laughs> that was like I was like okay like I'm here and like like this is something because I I just swam like my fastest time of my well sec- second fastest time of my life like yeah. matched my fastest time of my life basically. Well, there's very little. I mean, swimming it's a team sport, but there's very little your teammates can do for you when you're up on that block standing there. Except you'll never swim faster than when you're on that block. And you look over and you see those guys and girls standing over there dependent on you. Mm. I mean, that, that weighs heavy on you. And, you know, I mean, I use this. My, my dad was in the Marine Corps. And he's like, you know, he had two tours in Vietnam. And he's like, when we were over there, we weren't fighting for flag and country. We were fighting for the guys next to us because it's the only way we're going to get out of here. And, and it's the same I think in sports. A lot of times, you know, what I love about swimming is if you do well, it's because of you. If you do poorly it's probably because of you and uh you know there, there's the old saying good swim good swimmer bad swim bad coach um but then i ask you guys like who's your best coach you are yeah because i can show you tell you explain how to do something but i can't make you do it so you're actually your best coach when it comes to swimming because and and that whole thing about like when you're on the blocks you know and, and your teammates where they help you is in practice making sure you get there when things get tough don't quit um and like i said convincing you guys of how good you really are is that's probably my most frustrating part of my job is is the pushback i get you just don't believe it you know you you don't believe um yeah i would say you know if, if you want somebody to listen to that that has a good about kind of philosophies you know he couldn't be on this radio station, but David Goggins. Oh, I read his book. <laughs> we talked about him last or, week. Or yeah, listen we... to him, um, you know, Joe Rogan or wherever, you know, they, they, he swears quite a bit, but uh, his points are very similar to a lot of the things I've always believed, even before I even knew about him, Yeah. you know. And uh, I thought it was re- really unique how two different individuals from very different backgrounds came to the same conclusions about sports and athletics and life. <laughs> very different backgrounds he's from buffalo new york inner city kid and you know so it's just there must be some truth to it somewhere yeah and, uh, yeah anyway so uh you know who else actually had like an interesting well obviously he he had a interesting uh belief on like winning and on like showing up for your team it was actually nolan ryan who was a obviously a very famous pitcher yeah and uh i actually um, have a few Nolan Ryan baseball cards that I've collected. Topps baseball, 1980s. <laughs> I like collect like kind of that region, and my collections. Uh, well, I I looked up Nolan Ryan baseball cards, and like the ones that I have are worth a decent amount of money. Yeah. And I got them given to me for free because I was yeah. walking around Target in a baseball uniform. Some guy just handed <laughs> them to me, so it it cost me nothing. And I'm like, I'm gonna sit on these things until I'm like 
60 years old and they'll be worth a ton they'll be i'll come to your garage sale in like 30 yeah. years yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. when you're old and demented and you don't know what they're worth and yeah, i'll sell them for them five dollars the whole my whole collection that is one thing i would like to collect more of is like baseball memorabilia i'll let I you have, buy them off me for a grand yeah, no thank you um i have a, a sign two signed baseballs from hall of famers one is uh lee smith who just got inducted recently and um my dad has the uh, a Chipper Jones signed baseball, Ooh, nice. which um, will like eventually be mine. But um, yeah, like collecting collecting baseball stuff. That's another. That's that's kind of what I want to do if I start getting into um, like the flea market and mm. like garage sale type stuff. Yeah, well, let me know how those sell for you guys in the down the road. Um, but with that, I just want to say thank you to K A L A for letting us come in today and do another podcast. Uh, thank you to Coach Ski for coming in and being our guest today. Um, for all of our listeners, thank you as well. And I just want to let you guys know as well that you can find us on Instagram at KKTFC Podcast or Gmail. We have an email, so you can send us your silly questions. Please do, because if you do, we will check them out. At, and the email is kktfcpodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, continue to listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you. Pleasure doing business with you.